Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. Okay, y'all, we are, uh, as you can tell, uh, we are starting a new series uh, this week called Unexcused. And this series follows a, a long tradition that we have here at White's Chapel every September we take one story or uh, one set of scripture, one text, and we do a deep dive. And so some of you may remember, if you've been here long enough, we've, uh, in September's, we've done Psalm 23. We've done uh, the story of the prodigal son. I think that was last year. We've done the healing of the garrison demoniac. That was a fun one to preach for several weeks, let me tell you. Uh, we've done, uh, what else? We did the healing of Bartimaeus. Um, and this really is one of my favorite traditions that we have, uh, because I think there is something powerful that happens when we sit in one section of the Bible for a while. I, I think that when we let one story from Scripture wash over us for an entire month, um, I've found that I have an easier time hearing from God. I have an easier time connecting with it and, and understanding what God is speaking to me. And so I hope over this, this uh, next month that you have the same experience. Because for the next five weeks, we are going to be looking at the call story of Moses. Uh, we're going to be reading from Exodus chapters 3 and 4 over the next few weeks. And in those chapters, Moses has a long conversation with God on Mount Sinai. Um, we're going to read as God calls Moses to serve him in some, some pretty huge, spectacular ways. And we're also going to see how Moses responds. And the reason that this is called unexcused is because Moses responds with five excuses. Uh, some people call this the five butts of Moses. We couldn't make that the title for obvious reasons, but uh, that's what we're gonna be talking about. Um, so over the course of this series, we're gonna explore each one of those excuses. And, and my hope is that as we unpack this story, we will begin to uncover some of the things that God is calling us to. Uh, and not only that, but hopefully we'll uncover some of the, the similar excuses that we have a tendency to make. And so with all that being said, I want us to go ahead and jump in, uh, into our scripture tonight, straight into the beginning of this conversation between God and Moses. This is a longer scripture for us uh, tonight, but this is going to set the scene for, for the next several weeks. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a scene that you're probably familiar with. This is Moses and the burning bush. Uh, Exodus 3, verses 1 through 12. It says, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, also known as Sinai, came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why this bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. 
Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this very mountain. Okay. This is, like I said, the very beginning of Moses' call story. One day he is, he's working for his father-in-law Jethro. He's, he's tending to the field, and all of a sudden, uh, the Lord appears to him in the form of a burning bush. And God calls to Moses. And Moses responds. Moses' first initial reaction is to cover his face. And then God goes on, and he tells him that Moses is going to be the one. He says, you are going to be the one to, to free my people from slavery in Egypt. And Moses' response to that is to say, me? <laughs> Who am I to take on Pharaoh? God calls Moses in our scripture, and Moses responds with fear and doubt and trepidation. He doesn't feel like he's a worthy candidate for such a massive task. And still, God calls him. And it begs the question for us tonight, how do we respond to the callings that God places in our lives? Because I mentioned this earlier, but I do believe wholeheartedly that God has a calling, uh, a purpose, a mission for every single one of us. It doesn't matter whether you are five years old or 95 years old. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the church. It doesn't matter your political persuasion. It doesn't, nothing matters except for the fact that God has a mission. God has a call for every one of us. And those callings are different. Just among those uh, in the room right now, those watching online, there are a variety of different callings, a variety of different passions. Different things light our proverbial fire. Some of us may have a passion for animals, some for children, some for education, some for poverty, some for homelessness, some for food insecurity, some for justice, some for peace. Chances are every one of us could, could name at least one thing, probably many things, that we are particularly passionate about. And again, that may look different for each one of us, but there's something there. God has created each one of us with a unique call. And so again, the question for us tonight is, how do we respond to that call? And I want to talk about a couple of options that we have. The first option is to do exactly what Moses did. When we sense that God is calling us to something, we can hide our faces Look, I know a lot of us can relate uh, to Moses in our scripture. 
Maybe we feel ordinary. Or maybe we feel overwhelmed by the immensity of the problems in our world. I get that. And I'm not trying to be too hard on Moses here. I mean, can you imagine? I want you to truly imagine that tonight, after this service, you go home. And as you're walking into your front door, you notice one of your bushes is on fire. And all of a sudden, God speaks to you through this this bush and says, you know what? I want you to solve world hunger for me. That's what you're going to do. If that happened to me, I might respond. I would respond probably the exact same way Moses did. I would hide my face. Not me, Lord. I would say, who am I to do that? Me? This is a response that is so common in so many of us. And and really, it always has been. In fact, we see this all over Scripture. It's not just here in Exodus 3. You remember after Jesus is arrested... Uh, the disciples scatter. And then we get a story about Peter. And somebody comes to Peter and says, do you know Jesus? He says, no, not me. Three times he denies him. When asked if he's a disciple, Peter hides his face. Or Jonah, one of my favorite books of the Old Testament. Uh, Jonah runs all the way to the the edge of the known world at that time, very literally the edge of the world as far as they knew it. He runs to Tarshish, modern day Spain, to get away from God's calling. Rather than go to Nineveh, he jumps on a ship and he hides his face. Or Jeremiah, God tells Jeremiah that he is going to be a great prophet to his people. And Jeremiah hears God and and, and hears all that God has for him. And his response is, uh, but Lord, I'm just a child. He hides his face. There are reluctant prophets, reluctant followers all over the Bible. Moses is not alone in how he responds to God's call here. And you know what? It isn't just biblical figures either. Many great Christians throughout history have had moments of hiding their faces to avoid whatever it is that God is calling them to. Take Maria Augusta Kucher, for example. You may know her story from the five-time Academy Award-winning movie based on her life, The Sound of Music. She, uh, just like so many others, struggled with her calling. That was her story. Maria grew up in a a difficult home. Both of her parents died before she turned nine years old. And her uncle Franz, who raised her after after her parents passed away, was not good to her. And so when she turned 15, she ran away from home and looked for a job and had the hardest time finding a job, but finally found work as a tennis umpire, Uh, even though she would later admit she had no idea what an umpire was when she took the job, and she had never played tennis in her entire life. Well, eventually, uh, Maria, when she was about 19 or 20 years old, she sensed a call to ministry. And so she joined the Nonberg Abbey. uh, That's uh, it in modern day. Absolutely gorgeous. It's a Benedictine monastery in Salzburg, Austria. And she joined this monastery as a candidate to become a nun. Well, it takes a while to become a nun. And so while she was in her candidacy process, they asked her to, to tutor a local girl Um, whose mother had passed away a few years earlier. These were a part of her duties. And so she did. 
Well, it didn't take long before um, Maria found herself tutoring all seven of George Von Trapp's children. George was a, a Navy officer. Well, if you know the story of The Sound of Music, if you, if you know Maria's story, you know that she taught the children all sorts of things, but most notably, she taught them how to sing. And she became increasingly close with these kids and increasingly close with their father, George. And slowly but surely, Maria's plans to become a nun at this abbey began to come into question. She was no longer certain what God was calling her to do, who God was calling her to be. So how did Maria respond to this uncertainty in her call? She ran. She did what Moses did. She proverbially hid her face and she retreated back to that beautiful abbey. And look, Maria is not alone. Moses isn't alone. Jeremiah, Peter, Jonah, none of them are alone in the fact that they hid their faces and ran from God's call. The reason that we see this so often in scripture, in, in other people, in ourselves, is because God has a tendency to call us to things that we don't expect. He has a tendency to call us to things that do not fit within our plans. And we have a tendency to get spooked by that and to try and run the opposite direction, to try and hide our face. This is my story. I did this exact same thing with my own call to ministry. I tried finding something, anything else that could fill this thing inside me that was telling me uh, to go into vocational ministry, to become a pastor. But no matter what I tried, no matter how hard I tried, nothing seemed to click. I tried hiding my face. I, I tried asking God many times, who am I to do this? Don't you know that I'm not equipped for that? Don't you know that I have other plans? Don't you know there, there are holier, smarter, better people? And that's not me. But God didn't relent because that's what God does. And that's the reality of so many of our callings. We don't expect them. In fact, we fear them. So we hide our face when really what we need to do instead is face our call. Uh, spoiler alert. This is what we are going to see Moses do eventually. In our scripture, Moses says, who am I to free the Israelites from slavery? He's telling God, I'm not capable of emancipating a million people from the tyranny of Egypt. I'm not going to be able to do that. That, that. That's not something that, that is possible for me. I'm not worthy. And yet, if you go on to read Exodus, he did exactly what God said he would. He freed God's people from bondage. He parted an entire sea so that they might escape from Pharaoh's army. He led them into the wilderness for 40 years, and he even got them to the precipice of that promised land, that land of milk and honey, that broad land that, that God mentions in our scripture, the scripture we just read. See, God was faithful. God called Moses to something that, that he thought was far beyond his capability, and then he walked with him through it. Remember, in our scripture, God makes this promise. He says, I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. And guess what happened? 
exactly that. I don't want to steal all the thunder from the rest of this series because we've got five weeks of it. But the point is, we shouldn't hide our faces. We should face our callings. Because God promises to be with us when we do. That ended up being Moses' story, and it ended up being Maria's story too. I want to show you uh, what I consider to be one of, if not the most powerful scene in the movie, The Sound of Music. Uh, and it's actually based on reality. They do take some artistic liberties in the movie, but this, is, this really happened. Uh, uh, at this point in Maria's story, she's gone off, she's been teaching the Von Trapp children, and she has fallen in love with this family. She has fallen in love with the kids, she's fallen in love with George, uh, but that has scared her, and so she's decided to run away. And she's afraid, and she's confused, and, and she's not sure where she's supposed to go or what God is calling her to. And so re she retreats back to the abbey, and that's when uh, she encounters the head nun, the mother abbesses. Uh, and I want you to hear uh, what this, this head nun says to Maria. Let's watch this clip. You've been unhappy. I'm sorry. Reverend Mother... Why did they send you back to us? They didn't send me back, Mother. I, I left. Sit down, Maria. Tell me what happened. Well, I... I was frightened. Frightened? Were they unkind to you? Oh, no. No, I, I, was, I was confused. I, I felt... I've never felt that way before. I couldn't stay. I knew that here I'd be away from it. I'd be safe. Maria, our abbey is not to be used as an escape. What is it you can't face? I can't face him again. Him? Thank you, Sister Margareta. Captain Von Trapp? Are you in love with him? I don't know. I don't know. I, the Baroness said I was. She, she said that he was in love with me, but I, I didn't want to believe it. Oh, there were times when we would look at each other. Oh, Mother, I could hardly breathe. Did you let him see how you felt? If I did, I didn't know it. That's what's been torturing me. I was there on God's errand. To have asked for his love would have been wrong. Oh, I couldn't stay. I just couldn't. I'm ready at this moment to take my vows. Please help me. Maria. The love of a man and a woman is holy, too. You have a great capacity to love. What you must find out is how God wants you to spend your love. But I've pledged my life to God. I, I've pledged my life to his service. My daughter, if you love this man, it doesn't mean you love God less. No. You must find out. You must go back. Oh, Mother, you can't ask me to do that. Please let me stay. I beg Maria, you. these walls were not built to shut out problems. You have to face them. You have to live the life you were born to live. We all need a reverend mother in our lives. 
Um, I love that scene, uh, which may surprise some of you, but, uh, I, and I love that movie. And I think that is exactly the advice that we need to hear when we are in that situation, when we are struggling to face our calls. I, I want to just re-read re to you basically what the Reverend Mother says to her. Uh, she says, Maria, these walls were not built to shut out problems. You have to face them. You have to live the life you were born to live. She also says this, you have a great capacity to love. What you must find out is how God wants you to spend your love. That is brilliant advice. And it is the advice that she actually received in real life. It was the reigning nun of the Nonberg Abbey, a woman named Vir Virgilia Lutz, who spoke to the real Maria and convinced her that God's calling on her life was to become a part of the Von Trapp family. She saw, she knew that God had a different purpose for Maria, a different call. She was meant to be a part of the Von Trapp. She was meant to help them escape the, the oppression of the Nazi regime. She was meant to do something different, something she didn't expect, something that scared her. What she wasn't meant to do was hide her face. She was meant to face her call, and she did. And her family went on to become a symbol for those who had to flee their homes in, in opposition to, to the Nazis. Her story is, is one that, that is beloved and has been uh, heard or seen by millions of people across the world, and, and, and people, so many people have resonated with it. That was her calling. What's yours? What's God calling you to? That's what we're gonna be thinking about for the entirety of this series. God's calling on our lives. So I, I, I urge you over the course of the next five weeks to spend some time in, in thought and prayer, spend some time in meditation and, and, and explore this. Maybe you discover that God is calling you to sanctify some part of your life. And maybe you discover that God is calling you to minister to somebody. Maybe God is calling you to start a movement. Whatever it is, I hope that over the course of this series, we will lay aside our excuses and we will face our callings. I hope that we will stop hiding our faces, stop running back to the monastery to escape God's purpose. Because all of us have a great capacity to love. But we have got to figure out how God wants us to spend that love. We have to live the lives that we were born to live. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord, over the next few weeks, I pray, as always, that you would work on us, that you would help us to, to find for ourselves what you are calling us to. Lord, maybe it's something we don't expect. Maybe it's something that intimidates us. Maybe it's something that is brand new to us, something we don't understand well. Or Lord, maybe it's something that we have known for a long time we need to do. 
Maybe it's something that has been in the back of our mind, in the back of our heart for, for as long as we can remember. Lord, maybe this is the time that, that we take that next step, that first step into your calling, trusting that you will do exactly what you did for Moses, that you will be with us in the midst of whatever it is. Lord, we believe that, that you don't call us to something and then abandon us. You walk with us. God, we, we are clay jars. We are vessels. We want to be filled with you. We want to be filled with your mission. We want to go out and, and, and share it with the world. But we need your guidance. So Lord, stir us up. Help us to think. Help us to move. Help us to live the lives we were born to live. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.